Welcome to Impacting Jamaica, a podcast series brought to you by the Port Authority of Jamaica, Herb Cement, and the Sajikor Foundation. Impacting Jamaica shines the spotlight on the many but often ignored positive happenings, activities, projects, and investments at every level across every sector to inspire, motivate, and excite people everywhere. Impacting Jamaica is powered by Grace Kennedy. Hello Jamaica, hello world. Welcome to another Impacting Jamaica podcast. I am Shelley Ann Harris. Today I have the pleasure of chatting with academic scholar Fitzroy Pablo Wickham, who hopes to pursue a career that involves neurosurgery, acting and research. A recipient of the Governor General's Program of Excellence, Fitzroy hails from Brownstown, St. Anne, and is currently pursuing higher studies in the United States. Friends, listeners, it is my pleasure to welcome Fitzroy Pablo Wickham to Impacting Jamaica. Thank you so much for having me, Ms. Harris. It's a pleasure to be here with speaking with you. First, I want you to tell us about your upbringing in, in Brownstown, Jamaica. Oh, well, Brownstone, you can consider one of the major towns in this parish of St. Anne. I'm proud to be from there, you know, it's good weather. Um, I, I live right outside of Brownstone in this community called Orange Hill, but I, mm-hmm. I frequent the town a lot. And being a town that has three um, big high schools, has a lot of primary and prep schools, is very academic um, related. And maybe that's just my view because my mother was also a teacher. And so she was always, mm-hmm. you know, encouraging education and pushing me to read. And so the library was a place I'd always be. And if I wasn't at school, the library, then I'd be at church. I went to, I, I attended, I attended Boston Baptist Church, I remember there. And mm-hmm. so, going up in Brownstone, the culture, you know, people come there for Grand Market and um, these sort of the markets are huge, um, you know, a central location for upbringing. And so I, all that impacted my life and had an influence on who I am today. Okay, and who you are today is uh, you're now a student um, studying <laughs> neurosurgery. Tell me about what you're doing right now. So I'm studying neuroscience and theater. And um, currently in neuroscience, what, something I'm really excited about is getting involved in research. I, I thought I wanted to become a, a, just a doctor when I was growing up. But since coming to Wesleyan, I've joined a research lab and I've done um, research um, in mice studying epilepsy using stem cell um, therapy to treat um, the epileptic seizures. And so that's something I got really um, interested in. I love working with the animals. I'm learning different surgical techniques and other immunohistochemistry as well. And so that's been particularly exciting for me, knowing that not only can I work with patients, but I can also go inside the lab and create new procedures and make discoveries that can impact the world. That sounds amazing. What, what, what would you say has been the most surprising thing so far in your, in your exploration, particularly in the research aspect of things? Um, I would probably say it's one of the projects I've worked on most recently. And um, usually we work in vivo, as in like we study inside the animal, we see the seizures happening, and then we would um, put them down and then do immune histochemistry. But the, the project I worked on most recently was we would dissect the hippocampus um, from the mouse brain. And the hippocampus is a part of the brain responsible for memory. And um, it's one of the only sites for adult um, neurogenesis because usually, like it was thought long ago that we don't um, make new cells once we have become adults in the brain. But we have identified a place in the dentate gyrus and hippocampus that 
has neurogenesis right throughout our life. And mm. so we dissect the hippocampus out and we grow it in media in our dish and we incubate it and we're able to study the morphology of the neurons um, over a couple of weeks, you know, keeping those slices alive if they're very delicate um, and being able to make them epileptic and see how the seizures um, change. The dendritic mm-hmm. um, growth and pathways, that's something that I found very interesting that we can literally look in a dish and see things happening in real time. That sounds pretty amazing. Uh, what, what, what do you hope to do with this kind of learning that you're, you're, you're doing right now, with this kind of research and studies? What is your larger plan? Well, um, learning the surgical techniques um, is something that, you know, I've enjoyed because in the future I want to become a neurosurgeon. And um, so I, I, the reason for that is because I love the patient-doctor inter- interaction. I mean, in the past I've, I would have been a patient and I love that banter between myself and the doctor learning things um, health-related. And I want to have that kind of conversation with my future patients. Um, and I, I love surgery. I always found it fascinating. But I also want to do research on the side. I want to do independent research to discovery. And um, even though now I research in animals, um, going forward, I, I think I would like to go more clinical and do research with human populations, especially those um, populations that are underrepresented like our own. Um, there are not many research opportunities in the Caribbean. And it's something I feel like it needs to bridge a gap because there's so many um, misconceptions um, surrounding science. And this pandemic would have shown us um, just how, 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 the, 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 how huge a disconnect is between research, science, and the general population, especially in like third world countries. And so um, that's something I, I want to do. But, you know, acting is also there because I've always loved the arts. And um, if I could combine the two, that's something I would like really jump at, the opportunity. I'm going to get to the theater bit in a second because that is also pretty fascinating to have a science buff or a science mind having a, a heart for theater as well. But... You mentioned something about the pandemic a while ago and also about, you know, research in the Caribbean. And so I wanted to go a little bit further there first. In your own observations, as you could almost be a healthcare worker in terms of how you're, you're, you're framed now, but you're a student, what are some of the things you observe about the pandemic and some of the aspirations you would have when you get out there into the medical world? What are some of the things you think could be done better? I think um, in, in any field, um, science not excluded, uh, we have this the jargon, right? Um, how we, uh, um, the terms we use, the, the general population don't understand these terms. And we take it for granted that, oh, when we say this, they will understand. And um, we, we, the general population would get the information about science mostly from like movies. And nine times out of ten, it's very inaccurate. And so the scientific process is not really understood. And those who are sort of science and like secondary education, tertiary education, take it for granted that everyone understands the scientific process. And so especially during the, the beginning of the pandemic when vaccines were being developed and people were getting things wrong about the, the um, you know, the virus, people like, they, you know, expecting scientists to know, but you no, know, science is a field of not knowing. And that is why we have research. Research is about having a hypothesis, or making an educated guess, testing that guest, and if you don't get it right, then you try again. And that's the whole idea of research. But I feel like a lot of people expect scientists just know exactly what is happening. But mm-hmm. when something is, is novel, something is new, we are trying to figure it out, and we may have seen something similar before in the past. Mm-hmm. And so we use our previous knowledge, try to understand what's going on, and if it's not exactly the same, then we make slight adjustments. And that's why sometimes you know, something that a fact that was true one week ago is no longer accepted. 
Um, and, and that's why there's, there are theories. Um, but I feel like people think that facts are always true. No, it's something that's in science has not been proven wrong yet. And so um, because um, the um, change in information, I feel like a lot of people would have lost um, trust in, what, in the process. Mm-hmm. And like, no, this is how science works. And um, this has always been working like this over years. But now that you're seeing it real time because of the pandemic and how urgent it was, um, a lot of people are, are becoming more familiar with it. And so I, I, I do think that as scientists, we need to make a, a more intentional effort to mm-hmm. break down what we are doing and be much more transparent with the public so uh. that we can gain their trust because there's no need, there's no um, good in making a vaccine if people don't want it. Like then all of the work, all the money, all the time would have been in vain. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's something, and that's why I'm happy to be in a, another field where we can actually speak to people and, and address the masses. I understand. That's a fascinating point in terms of how we view science as, you know, an, an ongoing experience, an ongoing finding of, of facts that can help us to, to be better as a people and as a world. And I, I suppose you're also asking for patience from the population mm-hmm. as well. Exactly so, exactly so. Patience and understanding. <laughs> All right, that's, that's quite an insightful point to make. I want to now jump over to your expression of interest in theatre. Wow, uh, it's not often. No, well, I do know a few doctors that dabble in the arts, but, you know, talk to me about that. What is, what is that interest in theatre and how does it now manifest itself? Um, so my interest in theatre started long ago when I was young, younger. And I think I would say reading was the jumpstart of it. Like being very imaginative as a child, I would recreate the dialogue I would see, see in my, 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 my reading books. I would watch the television and I would see just these movies happening, these shows. And when I wasn't watching them, I would talk to myself. I would admit that I used to talk to myself, still do at times. And I would be repeating what the characters said to each other and I would be acting it out, expression. Mm-hmm. And then it was when I went to church, I, 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 it was by chance that I happened to be a part of the church play um, one year and persons were impressed with my, uh, you know, the, I would say talent. And I, I, I found it encouraging and I really enjoyed what, just like being on stage, Mm-hmm. and embodying someone who wasn't me. It was like an escape from, you know, what's going on in my real life, sort of. And so, you know, I, I took it, want to take it further. Um, but, you know, my high school didn't really offer too many theater uh, acting opportunities. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, I knew that I loved doing this. I knew that I, w- I would enjoy doing it in the future. But I was like, where do I go from here? And mm-hmm. so during the gap year, I, I, I was trying to decide between science and theater. Um, I thought I had to choose one, but eventually I, I came to Wesleyan where being that it's a liberal arts education institution and it's open curriculum, I could create or make my education what I wanted it to be. Yeah. And so I took an acting class my freshman year, I enjoyed it. I've been taking theater classes ever since and I take part in the student productions, acting, mm-hmm. um, doing behind the scenes. I don't enjoy the behind the scenes much. <laughs> I guess I like attention. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> just being on stage, doing that deeper reading um, uh-huh. of like the, um, the, the, the dialogue and the monologues, it's very insightful. You know, theater is a combination of so many things. It, can, it has history. You can incorporate science. Um, and it's a very creative process. And the collaborative effort, that's something I really enjoy. And um, quite recently, I took another class where I was doing playwriting. And before I was just comfortable being an actor, you know, just like bringing other people's ideas to life. But then just the 
process of writing down your thoughts and seeing how powerful it can mean to other people, it's, it's something I want to continue. I want to do more writing and to tell my story and tell others' stories and just um, play my part in keeping Jamaican heritage alive. Profound um, and very inspirational to hear that kind of point of view. Uh, is there anyone in theater now that you admire? Oh, wow. So many people. I mean, I, I, I feel like I have to say um, Wes Alum, um, Lin-Manuel Miranda, um, Hamilton Phenomenal kind of hit me. I mean, mm -hmm. I always heard the hype and then I watched myself and I saw the hype <laughs> and how we combined rap with history. And I was like, wow, we, we could do the same thing in Jamaica with reggae, with dancehall and history and tell the story mm -hmm. of our um, national heroes and people, our, na our nation builders. You know, that's something that would be phenomenal. And I, I love Jamaican comedies. Um, I would watch several of them. I watch um, even Father Holland plays and mm -hmm. just seeing the musical aspect. I mean, I can't sing. <laughs> I will say that, no matter how hard I not try. Not yet, maybe but, not yet. <laughs> I mean, I think attitude would have to be my friend if I tried, <laughs> or I could have an understudy, but um, musicals are something I, I'm interested in, um, and I feel like I could write, but maybe have someone else perform, and I think Jamaica has enough talent to, to make that dream come true. <laughs> Sounds good. I, I think so too. And and never rule yourself out, by the way, because many things, many interesting people who, you know, I never thought would sing are sitting now. So don't 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 rule it out. <laughs> Believe me, I've tried. I probably up. <laughs> Amazing stuff. All right. So okay, let's go back a little bit now in terms of you as a as a role model and growing up. You grew up in a single parent home, yes? Yes, I did. My mother, um, Florence Wickham, she, um, she's a math teacher, and so she raised me and my sister um, by herself. I'm, I'm sure she's pretty proud of you right now, isn't she? Oh, yeah, she's, a, she's so proud. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so my, 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 my next question to you then is, is, what is your advice to young people, young people in Jamaica, young people wherever in the world, in single parent homes who are struggling to move forward, to believe in themselves or who have an issue with just making ends meet, you have walked a path which is on its way to success and you're, you're, you're studying, you know, um, neuroscience. You are, you are living your dream theater, you're acting, you're doing all of that. What is your advice to young people who are struggling at this point? I would say to young people, especially those who are living in single parent families, don't believe the statistics. Like, yes, they will look at the statistics and say um, those who grew up in single-parent households are greatly disadvantaged. But I believe that you can always use a disadvantage to your advantage. Like, if I become a doctor and someone else from a nuclear family becomes a doctor, in the eyes of people, my accomplishment suddenly seems much more, like, greater. And because I had this obstacle to overcome. Right. And therein like you know college applications and highlighting those disadvantages like a lot of people want to shy away from saying oh i'm poor i'm sick from a single parent household no embrace it that's who you are it, it's a part of you it would always be a part of you but it's not about where you're coming from it's about where you're going and so yes you have to work maybe twice as hard maybe you have to put a little more effort but at the end of the day you want to make your parents proud. And they're trying their hardest. Um, believe me, like, I know my mother puts a lot of pressure on herself, you know, being that she's the, the, the main figure, the only main figure responsible for rearing her children. And it, she's hard on herself, but, like, I want to make it easier for her. I want to make her proud. And so one of the things I do is because I want to be able to 
pay my mother back um um for for, for lack of a better you know phrase i want to repay her for all that she yeah. has invested in me and my sister and i would have seen the sacrifices she made for us growing up you know saying oh i can't live off my fat okay you guys eat this you know and those and seeing that kind of sacrifice it makes me want to give better to my own children when i grow up mm-hmm. um but also to make sure that she lives a comfortable life and she doesn't have to work all into her old age you know that sort of thing so like don't lose hope and others have done it before i'm doing it now so those in single parent families you can do it too and especially the boys who are told that you know a mother a woman can't raise a, a boy foolishness mm-hmm. no don't listen to that you you can learn from your mother trust me they know what they're doing and if anything i i see them as um nurturing a part of the i would say the the, the male um psyche that is often neglected because sometimes i feel like males shouldn't have emotions but mm. i feel like growing up with a mother she, she she allowed me to have that kind of thing and i, I grew up not objectifying women and and seeing wonderful you know, women as just objects to um please the male gaze no wonderful. i think it's a problem in jamaica like it the is. patriarchy it needs to i know we have the violence against women i wonder where that comes from no we need to to break down all the, these sexist views that we have in Jamaica. And that's something I would have learned growing up in a household where I was the only male and my mother and sister who were older than me were guiding me. And so sometimes you look in a situation and we, we tend to ignore the benefits, but there are benefits at times. Like um, I, there's something I can never uh, identify with. Like those um, friends of mine who have both parents, like maybe there's constant arguing in the, in the home among the parents. I never experienced that. I never had that um, kind of stress when they, my parents are going to get divorced. And so there are benefits um, to single parent families that we, we choose to ignore. I feel like intentional because society thinks that everything, every family must be the same, but that's not the case. So you have a situation and you have to learn how to work with it because nothing um, but yourself can stop you from achieving your goal. I think what I hear you saying is that there's always an upside. There's always an upside. Awesome. And, and you probably tell I'm, I'm, I'm an optimist. <laughs> <laughs> so am I. So am I. Always to the bright side. Exactly. Um, and, and I think that perspective and your achievements are what led to you being one of the awardees for the Governor General's Program of Excellence. Tell me about that and how you, you felt about that. Um, I mean, as I said, like my, my mother being a main driver of me, um, like going towards success. That was what my personal statement was about, just talking about where I'm coming from and what I hope to, what impact I hope to have on Jamaica and how my situation taught me about the Jamaican dream, which I think is about being resilient and taking a baton from past generations and just making it a better world for those to come. Right? Um, but the process, oh God, that was... <laughs> I, I had so many ups and downs because I was like, should I submit my application? I know I've written everything, I have my recommenders, but you know that doubt... I'm wondering if you're worthy of this, if you're good enough for this. Yeah. I was like, there's no way this is possible for me. But give yourself a chance. Like, don't count yourself out. And I chose not to after speaking with several people. They were like, like what, you, what do you have to lose? Like, if you don't submit it, you won't get it. But you probably will if you do. Like, you really have nothing to lose. And so I did it, and I, I will be honest, I did it as saying to myself, okay, I can reapply next year. So whatever I learned from this experience, I can... Um, improve my application um, but when I waited to the finals and I was told that you know I'll be in- invited for the interview like uh, this hunger just like was in me I was like I'm so close to getting it I have to put in the work now and so I did my research 
I learned more about the values of the scholarship. I thought more like the impl what implication does it have socially to say a black person is taking a scholarship that was created by a colonizer, someone who was really fond of like imperialism. Like I thought about these things and I thought about how I would use it to build the, 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 the community of um, African descendants. I thought about those things. And then I went in an interview telling myself like, you know what, I'm not gonna shy away from my background. I'm gonna be my authentic self. And at the end of the day, I'm gonna put my best foot forward. And I trusted God to you know, let his will be done. And I was pleased with the outcome, of course, um, because I'm like, oh my God, now I'll be able to get my PhD at Oxford, uh, my DPhil rather, at Oxford without paying a cent. That's awesome. That is so awesome. And, you know, a global education is always so useful um, because of wherever you may go in the world, you have a perspective that is broad. Um, exactly so, I, so. I'm very happy for you. Congratulations. Thank you so much. On this achievement. All right, we're, we're almost out of time. So I want to end by asking you to share a few cool things about Jamaica. When is the last time you're in Jamaica, by the way? Uh, it's been a year now. I came and I spent Christmas into, well, over a year. I, I came and I spent, not this past Christmas, but a year before, I came and I spent Christmas with my family. But then because of the pandemic, I didn't return. On, but I will be coming back soon. <laughs> awesome. All right. So here are the three cool things I'm going to ask you. Your favorite spot and why in Jamaica, your favorite person and why, and your favorite food and why. My favorite spot, I'm going to say Sunny Valley um, in Ochoas. Um, I heard about this when I came to the U.S. actually. You know, it's sometimes funny enough you learn about some place in Jamaica when you leave Jamaica. It's true. And or, <laughs> or from foreigners, from tourists. Yes, so from, yes, yes because they, they know where to go. I'm like, how do you know these places? Um, yes. But, um, and it's not a typical tourist attraction, I would say, because like, you know, some Jamaicans will say it's bush. But Sun Valley, say the name uh, again. Say, say the name Sun, again. Sun, Sun, Sun Valley. Plantation Sun Valley. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. And um, I went there with my mother when I was on vacation from University One. And just seeing the variety of plants and seeing the tropical fruits and mm. being able to eat it. I, I know and there were some great chefs down there. <laughs> uh, the host were like very friendly people. And that was my nice. first time and only time um, eating a, um, the ancestor of our modern banana with the seeds and everything. And so it was an unforgettable experience. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Nice. I must check out Sun Valley one of these days. I have to check it out, man. All right. So your favorite person now and why? So, I mean, I feel obvious as my mother, but I'm not going to say my mother. I love my mother. Um, I'm going to say <laughs> Marcus Garvey. Um, I feel like it sounds cliche. He's a first national hero, but I also come from the same parish as him, you know? And mm -hmm. it was someone I always looked up to. And I've learned to, I've, I've garnered so much more respect now since um, being on the international scene and seeing how much other people respect him and how much yes. he's done for Pan-Africanism, you know? Right. So not just for Jamaica. Yes. Yeah. yes. 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 All right. Cool. Um, I think your mother will forgive you. That's okay. And then, <laughs> <laughs> finally, now, your favorite food and why? I have to say, I mean, this would be hard for me back in the, um, like maybe a couple years ago, but now I'm going to say jerk. Um, I, can't, yeah. I can't really decide between jerk and jerk chicken and pork, but I said jerk because I'm learning to jerk right now myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I can, um, How good are you? How, you're good? You're, you're, uh, you're, I want to do my own but... <laughs> <laughs> I, I can do a thing. Um, but right. every time I make it, um, 
someone's like this is the best thing they've ever tasted especially it's, it's so good to hear people from other countries say that you know like that's it yeah because you're right <laughs> doing their whole casino kissing out the door as if it's the best thing they've ever tasted i'm like yes jamaica big up yourself history, right <laughs> yes it's just the history behind how jerk was created i think mm-hmm. it's just so authentically ours and i will forever love it <laughs> awesome it makes me feel like i need to get some jerk on this nice um saturday afternoon that we're talking so thank you so much fitzroy pablo wickham before we go what is this bit about pablo oh pablo <laughs> pablo is one of my alter egos um when i was younger in like early high school i used to be very shy i struggled with public speaking really I, Yes. Okay. <laughs> I just did not like any social interaction. My principal always trying to get me to talk at devotion and you know, take on leadership roles. Mm-hmm. And I said, this is not me. I love my introverted side. So I decided I'm a, I'm a huge Beyonce fan. And she has her alter ego, ah. Sasha Fears. And I was like, okay. maybe I'll try this. So I created Pablo to be the extroverted part of myself. And, and the one that I does got... theater. Yes. <laughs> Whenever I hit the stage... That's who takes over. <laughs> interesting. Very interesting. Yes. <laughs> All right, Pablo, uh, Fitzroy, welcome. Uh, thank you so much for joining us for Impacting Jamaica. It was quite enjoyable. Thank you so much, Ms. Harris. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Impacting Jamaica was brought to you by the Port Authority of Jamaica, Harib Cement, and the Sajikor Foundation. If you or anyone you know is involved with projects and activities that excite, motivate, and encourage, send us an email at impactingjamaica at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Do join us again for another in the series on SoundCloud, Google Podcast, Stitcher, or on Deezer. You can also visit us at impactingjamaica.com. Impacting Jamaica is powered by Grace Kennedy.